the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We're learning about divine priorities today here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Join us and be encouraged in the priorities we set to the glory of God. Next. And again, welcome. This is Truth For Today. Pastor Phil Howard returns us to Matthew chapter 6 today. We're scanning the entire chapter, taking a look at the priorities we are to make about our lives, spiritually speaking, those divine priorities. And not only just to make a priority, but to be living for those priorities. Here's Pastor Phil as we begin today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Number one. I don't want you to worry about externals like food and clothing because I care about you. And you are more than what you wear and you are more than what you eat. I care about you, your thinking, your well-being, your health. I think about every aspect, your future, your past. I care for you. I'm not preoccupied with your wardrobe and your diet. I first of all love you. I care about you. Okay, let's go to the second thing. Verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Now he uses a rabbinic teaching tool, lesser to greater. Are you not much more valuable than they? Aren't you more valuable than flowers? Flowers don't worry. Birds, I've never seen any of my birds taking volume. I get mad at them every year. I only get a few apricots. I'm about to cut the tree down. We're just not getting apricots anymore. But what bugs me By the time I get 20 apricots, two squirrels come and 13 birds. And I'm saying, they don't pay my water bill, they don't fertilize it, and they don't worry. And God feeds them. Did you know God feeds every bird that's on the earth? Have you ever seen National Geographic when you see a million birds fill the sky? So I wonder what they're going to eat tonight. They hadn't even thought about it. And you're over here worried. We've only got 10 pounds of meat and 5 gallons of milk. What will we eat? Or you've only got 5 years worth of clothes collected. What will I wear? We're strange people. Notice verse 27. Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Don't worry. It won't solve anything. And why do you worry about clothes? Any of you worry about clothes? How many of you have more clothes in your closet than you wear? 
Anybody, you know, most of you are existing on one pair of shoes. How many are down to one pair of shoes? Go. What, one pair? How many are up to ten? How many got more clothes than you can wear in a month? But you know what? I don't have anything to wear. <laughs> Worry never solves problems. Verse 29 through 30, he says, I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Worry feeds on little faith and not aware that you have a father. But he said, if God could make flowers more beautiful than the wardrobe of Solomon, I mean, beautiful flowers. I mean, when you see spring and the flower, say, God, you are an artist par excellence. You are an artistic God. The beauty, even a peacock, all those colors. And, and you, and, but you didn't die for peacocks. You didn't die for flowers. If I go to Muir Woods, I don't get down and start worshiping the redwood tree. I worship the God that made it. The God that made it. I worship the God of this vast variety of color and everything. And he said, hey, if I could expend all this creative beauty on flowers that are prettier than anything Solomon ever wore, won't I take care of clothing you? It's a small thing for me to do. Why are you worried? He says in verse uh, 31, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. There's two kinds of people. If you don't have God as your Father, you need to worry. You're headed for the lake of fire. A man or woman without God is going to the lake of fire. Is that true? Is the wrath of God being displayed to all who are holding down what might be known of God? He said in Romans 1.18, a present tense verb, the wrath of God is being continuously revealed from heaven right now, right now, throughout the world against all men that are holding down what could be known about him. Sometimes we get sloppy and we say, well, God loves us all. He doesn't love us all the same way. What, what does it mean when he says he hates the wicked? Does God hate the wicked? I want to hear it verbally. I can hear it a little bit. Does God hate the wicked? Yes. But here's a favorite line we use. God hates the sin, but he loves the sinner. Well, what goes to hell, the sin or the sinner? God doesn't love everybody to the same. He's good to all men. He gives them rain, seasons, pregnancies, prosper. He gives many things. But the man, the wicked man, according to Psalm 1, he is like the chaff that is blown in the wind. And when he comes before a just God, he will not stand. For this God of John 3.16 would say, Depart from me, you wicked man that would never take my son and would never take me serious. Depart. This is an awesome, fearsome God. And he says over here, 
I don't want my people worried like pagans who have no true God, who have no heavenly father. I want to ask you, people of God, do you have a heavenly father in the third heaven? If you do, why are you worried? If you don't, worry, worry. It might get you to come to Christ. I just listened to R.C. Sproul. He just told, he was telling John MacArthur, he said, you know what? I just had two grown men in my church just came to Christ. And he said, guess what? They came because they were scared to death of eternity. And then Sproul made sure, he said, and I baptized them as adults. They had a debate. Do you baptize infants? Do you have a heavenly father? He said, if you do, it's an insult to worry. Can your father take care of you? What did your father think of you before you were born? You said, well, he didn't even know I was running. Oh, yeah. God starts out thinking in eternity. Did you know what? He said, I knew you before I made the stars. You know, if you don't believe that, you, you don't believe what he said. He said, I was thinking about you way back. Were you, where were you, God, before my mother ever conceived me? Well, I, I allowed the pregnancy. Matter of fact, I stepped into your mother's womb and I wove you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. I created your pigmentation, color of your eyes, color of your hair. Uh, even uh, I had something to do with the kind of IQ you'd wind up with. I've got a heavenly father. Then he finally, he said, no, not finally. When, uh, th- third, he says, uh, if I'm first in your life, I'll give you everything you need. I promise to meet every need you have if you'll put me first. I'm your first priority. I, your kingdom, your righteousness. If you put me first, I'll see that those things the Gentiles who do not know me are worried about, worried about, I'll, I'll take care of it. I'll meet that need. Now, sometimes, let, let's, let's ask ourselves, what do you have to give God? Some of you might say, I have no money. Oh, that's, oh I'm sorry you don't, but that won't make you exempt. You don't have, you have only three things to give God. Three things. Your body, your time, and your possessions. Number one, let's ask this question. If God's first, or is God first in your life? Well, let's, let's answer it this way. How much of your body is he getting? Does God use your body? Do, do you make your body available? What's he doing through you? Anything? He wants your body. You remember, he said, present to me your body. I want, I want to use your body. Oh, you were bought with a price. You're not your own. Therefore, glorify God in your body. What are you doing with your body that says God is number one? We should never have to beg for you to serve. See, the problem with money, evangelism, service, and why we beg so many times saints to do it, it's hard to get you to serve a God you don't love. It's hard to serve a God that you're not making first place in your heart. No, people that he is first find a way to use their body to promote him. They find time to promote him. But what's first in your life? What's first? What's first? Let's then time, time. Let's ask about time. 
everybody's busy. If you live in the Bay Area, that equals busy. May not be going anywhere, but you're busy. I talk to retired people. How you doing now that you're t- uh, retired? I'm tired. I just, I'm busier than ever. What are you getting done? Nothing. But man, I'm busy. I'm so busy. Yeah. How many times do you shop a week? Oh, about four times. I need exercise. Well, you sure doing a lot of shopping. Is that what life's all about? Malls, spending. And I'm just, yeah, I'm busy. Yeah, I know. We went to a church called High Desert Church down in Southern Cal. And they have a goal. Get this. The the goal for their members. It's called the five-hour goal. You ready? Here we go. Now, these are born again, blood-bought, hell-canceled, going-to-heaven people. They have this goal. If we can get them to commit to five hours a week, we feel we have done a great service for them. Please break it out for us. I'm a little, duh, what's that mean? Well, they ought to attend at least one worship service a week, and we give that credit for an hour and a half. Boom. Showed up for worship. You got here. You know. And some of you, you come in so late, you've only worshiped about 30 minutes. Because you've got to get a donut and hang out in the lobby. Now, if it was your job, they'd fire you. But because it's God, you can drag in. God doesn't deserve to be, you know, honored with you showing up. We have this in both services. We start out, looks like ghost town. By the time we get up to preach, we have a congregation. Why are you dragging in all the time? Do we need to shut down the donut wheel? No, we need to get you revved up. You ought to come on. It's worship. It's a part of your hour and a half. Then, then, you ought to go to a small group where you ought to be there at least an hour and a half. We are up to three hours a week. Are you kidding? Three hours a week. What do you want? You guys go for skin, hide, and all. And then, you need two hours a week where your body is made available to serve God in some way. Do something. Usher, teach a class, do this. Help. You know, we had a men's breakfast yesterday. A lot of guys, we had a great time. Wonderful group of men. But I, I always check the kitchen out because that's where the action is. It's where all the sisters hang out. You got to get along with the cooks. So I checked out. And there's one of our sisters. I would guess her weight, and I don't guess the weight of women, believe me. But she's a petite, frail woman. If she weighed 100 pounds, I'd be surprised. Her husband told me today she just has fractured a hip bone and she's in quite a bit of pain. But I looked in that kitchen and we had a great breakfast. And she's scrubbing a big pan that they'd used to fix the food. She never even looked, she didn't even know I was looking. But she was there. A frail, in pain woman. We had other sisters in there. They made the meal. We did. Us men do the eating. They do the working. And I just said, Jesus, will she get a reward for that? Does this matter to you? Do you need women that 
loved Jesus so much they'd wash the pans of a meal they gave to the men. Should Mary be rewarded? Jenny, on and on, all the women. Kathy Rasmussen, been living with cancer for years, out there serving. Kind of stupid for a Saturday morning when you're a busy American. But not if you love Jesus. This missionary is working in a leprosyum, and a newspaper reporter came and came to them and said, You know what? Uh, I wouldn't do what you're doing for a million dollars a year. And the missionary said, I wouldn't either, but I'd do it for Jesus. Is there anything you're doing that Jesus is the reason? Where is God first? And then let's take our possessions. Possessions. Whoever taught you how to give? Grant Pinkston's a wonderful giver. He supports missions. He supports this and that. And I asked him one day, I said, where did you learn to give? He said, my dad and grandpa. They showed me how to give. You know where I learned to give? This girl in 36 that my sister, she sat me down at 15. I decided for sure enough I'm going to live for the Lord. She said, come here, Philip, sit down. And being the oldest, believe me, she knew how to take charge. Sit down, sit down. I want to show you something. And she had a wallet. She was prepared. And she just put out a dollar. And then all of a sudden she threw out a dime. I'd say, Philip, I want to teach you to give. I said, well, when, did I, when do you start that? She says, now. I didn't have any money. She said, uh, from now on, out of every dollar God gives you, you give him 10 cents minimum. I said, well, I haven't even prayed about it. She said, you don't need to pray about it. You need to do it. We couldn't even spell tithe, friend. Don't tell me about tithe. I know all about tithe, and I know what he did with Israel. Huh, what percentage do you want to start with? One? Let's measure what you give to how much he gave. Then settle your amount. You know what? I've never had givers ever complain about preaching on giving because they're doing it. It's all you folk that are setting on your hands and your wallet. You're the ones that ought to be convicted. Don't come up and correct me about preaching. Don't you do it. Because I'm saying, you're a stingy non-giver, aren't you? Tell me what you give. Tell me what you give. It's the givers who tell me to speak on giving. Because they want you to be blessed. And she took that 15 years old. And I've kept all my ledgers. I've got them in my file. I've got my giving ledgers from 15 to 74. And I've been waiting for God to fail. And you know what? I can't keep up with his goodness. I can't, I can't keep up his goodness. And, and then what my sister... Let me tell you, I got a sister. She's in heaven now. You got to put up. You didn't know her. You've been robbed. One of the finest people you'd ever know. She taught us boys. She was the great example. My dad was backslidden. My sister wasn't. She lived for God. My sister taught me morals. She told me, I take her when I wanted to buy a gift for Carolyn. Hazel picked the right blouse so I look good. She knew how to make me look good. My sister taught me how to date. My sister who never married. But she taught me Proverbs. Taught me dating. And then she taught me giving. 
When I got my VW as a graduation gift, we went out with a bottle of Western oil. She said, we're going to anoint this car, and we're going to dedicate it to the Lord. <laughs> Anybody ever do that? No, you haven't. You went by the Western oil. She did. Boom. Boy, we laid hands on it. Guess what? Three months later, I rolled it. I rode on Highway 4 outside of Brentwood. Guess what? Everything on the VW caved in except the roof over my head. I walked away from it with scratches. Found out I needed glasses, but it didn't kill me. Because we'd already dedicated it to the Lord. Are you following me? We're talking about folks that had little or nothing. But you better give it to God first. And then, my brother's the executor of the will. And, and we go, we meet in the conference room. She had four brothers and sisters remaining. Let's see, what did my dad leave me? I've got one of my dad's Bibles. That was my inheritance from him. I think our mother left us $500 each. Poor Okies don't have much to give you, you know. But Hazel, David's reading the will. He goes this way. This way the will has got to be carried out. Number one, pay off my stewardship commitment to the building fund. I'm thinking, good night. That's taking away part of my inheritance. <laughs> good, I give that church all the time. Honey, who, who, David must have consulted her or something. And then the girl that graduates on Friday and the principal of Richmond Heights told my folks, your daughter tested genius, went to work on Monday for a dollar an hour for Greyhound and had to catch a ride because she didn't even know how to drive, but she paid half for all my folks' cars because she didn't want them to be white, trash, poor. So she said, Daddy, I'll pay half on all the cars, though you get to drive them. And then, and then, she leaves all of us kids more money in any inheritance in her life, and she never made over $50,000 a year in her life. She's just secretary, you know. And then when she's 74, I finally fired her. Said, Hazel, you must retire. You must retire. She broke down crying. I waited to get her composure. I said, honey, why are you crying? She said, I won't be able to give like I've been able to give. I won't be able to give. If you died, would we lose any income, any service, or any time for God? How is God seen as first in your life, your possessions, your time? That's all you got to give. If you don't have money, you got time. You got a body. And let me tell you on these bodies, one bout, one doctor's visit might say, it's over. I just had a friend of mine call me from Dallas. He's a multimillionaire. I think he owned five or ten hospitals uh, in Oklahoma, Arkansas, and the South. He had two jets. He flew around to all these hospitals. Paul was a wealthy, wealthy man. 76 now. Wonderful. Graduated from SMU. Was a lawyer and just a wheeling dealer in finances. And uh, he's talking to me. He's just lonely. And he started telling me about Elsie, a wonderful wife who had become a school teacher. He said, Phil, it's been hard these last 10 or 12 years. I said, what's been so hard? He said, well, Elsie came down with Alzheimer's. And uh, 
For the last 10 years, I've taken care of her. I had to move into my mom and dad's house because I lost everything in bankruptcy. I had to move in my mom and dad's house. But I took care of Elsie. But for seven years, she had Alzheimer's. And the last three years, she's been in hospice. So for 10 years, I've just taken care of Elsie. And he said, now that she's died, I'm taking care of my sister who has type 1 diabetes. And I'm her only caregiver. He said, God certainly stripped me of everything, but I still have him. He took Elsie's health, her life, and now my precious sister. You see, it all evaporates so quick. What are you going to do with him while you can? While you have help? While you have the time? And this is Truth For Today, the radio ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules, and our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. Thank you for spending time with us today. As always, it is a pleasure and a delight studying God's Word with you that we might mutually grow in our love and admiration for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you have questions about today's program, maybe you have a question about your own walk or relationship with the Lord, we would love to talk with you. No strings attached. Give us a call, and we'd be more than happy to answer any questions we can or pray with you. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. If you would rather write to us, here's our address, 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. We're here in Hercules, the zip code 94547. So again, you can reach us by phone, by mail, or better yet, stop by our website and drop us an email. Let us know you paid us a visit. You can find us at truthfortodayradio.org. That's truthfortodayradio.org. And then if you would like to join us here at Valley Bible Church for worship, Sunday services are at 9 and 11, and directions can be found at our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by calling 855-833-9864. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.